0: In being a woman who has it all, do you ever feel trapped and suffocated? Feeling like you have so much responsibility at home with your children and your spouse and and then your work, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it can get so overwhelming. Now that we're in the pandemic, there's even more pressure on you. Today's guest, Ami Quirconi, she knows how that feels. She used to feel like a broken mom and she had to make a choice about how to take care of herself for the good of the family. Join us to find out more. So Nectar
1: Show The Soul Nectar Show You're invited, delighted To describe
0: who you are Anything is possible if you believe Join us on this beautiful journey, Soul Nectar Show, Soul Nectar Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those moments of connection that are just profound in the insight that we receive when we're willing to look just under the surface in a new direction even just a different a different way of perceiving things and all of a sudden things change and a new world is forming in front of your eyes and you don't even know what that world is or what it means and it can feel a little bit like sliding off the surface of the old way of knowing the world and which feels a little scary to slide right off that surface and, and go where is this thing heading it's all falling apart But then things tend to write themselves in a new configuration that is just so much more amazing. And I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I have these conversations on Soul Nectar Show week after week to support you in what we're going through right now collectively, which is a huge awakening process. And in the middle of that process, an individual process, let's just say for a person going through that process, it's a lot to go through. And now we're all doing it collectively. And so if you're feeling overwhelmed, well, that's because we have a lot going on. And it's understandable to feel overwhelmed in the middle of all that. And if you're a mom in the middle of the picture too, like trying to hold as grounded, loving a space as you can for those you care for, your children or your aging parents, or, you know, maybe you have a job that's got you as a nurturer for others, you can feel a little bit overwhelmed by you know, just their sense of overwhelm. So how do we get grounded? How do we get secure? And how do we lead our lives? And those are the conversations I love to have on Soul Nectar Show to help people navigate these times, which can be really exciting, you know, when you're in a different perspective, it can be really exciting. So um, today's guest, I just love, um, when I met Ami Krakoni, welcome to the show.
1: I'm here. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah,
0: when I met Ami, you're gonna love her. She's the founder of Activity Girl. And she helps entrepreneurs, leaders, and organizations through leadership coaching and consulting. And she's the host of the mental health podcast, One Broken Mom, and the author of The Fearless Woman's Guide to Starting a Business, What Every Woman Needs to Know to Be Courageous, Authentic, and Unstoppable Entrepreneur. Just like so right up my alley. I just felt like such a sister in the game of life here on earth at this time. And I'm just so, so glad to have you on the show with us.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. You know, when we talked a few weeks ago, I felt that same thing. It was just like the universe just draws us in and brings us to, you know, cool people. Once we're able to get out of whatever the, you know, the world or, you know, thing that we thought we were supposed to be living and we take like you described at the top here, like slipping off that slope and into something else. And then once you do that and you find your feet underneath you, it's kind of cool, you know, who ends up coming into that that new realm. So, and you're definitely one of those. So it's um, it's fun to be here with you.
0: It's so exciting to encourage other people, too, to take this journey. Um, You know, it's like uh, I finally learned how to make the magic for myself. And then I started learning how to bring others with me. That's the coolest part, you know, is to help others like find their own way through that doorway. I know that um, we're in the middle of a, a crazy time. And so part of what I like to do is share people's stories as the beginning part of our broadcast, because I feel like if you hear someone else's a story, you might pick up some key points in their journey that relate to yours that help you really like, a, oh, like a benchmark, like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm kind of in that spot right now. Cool. I'm curious to see how a me navigated that and where it led, you know? So that's one of the reasons I always start with people's stories. And I'd love to start with yours right now, wherever you want to pick it up. Like, where did you start making the connections that things needed to change and you're going to move in
1: a new direction in your life. That's a great place to start the story, you know, because I, that happened in 2017 for me and that's when the connections were made. Now the journey to that point started several years before that. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. I, you know, moved out at 18, got a college education, got married right after college, moved up to Seattle because it was the coolest city in the world. And back in, you know, 95, you know, I came in here at the tail end of the music scene and was able to see the President's United States of America before they got big. And so that was fun for me because I was a huge, I still am a huge music fan. And, you know, I wasn't tethered to anything that kept me back in Kansas. In fact, I was looking for a way to get out. At that time, I didn't really know why I felt so strongly about leaving, <laughs> but I just knew that there was no way I was staying, no matter how much pressure I had from family members and you know, and even at school, because I had job offers in the Midwest to take. And I said, nope, screw that. I'm going to go find my own job up in Seattle. And that threw everybody off. And then why, why would she want to do that? But I moved out here and I was only married for a couple of years to my high school sweetheart before I just felt like I felt more at... Uh, home in Seattle than I did in Kansas, and so once I actually got out, I was like, "Man, this is more my people." You know, I'm in a community and an environment that feels better to me. While my uh, my husband at the time was, you know, counting the days until we moved back to Kansas, and I just knew I couldn't do it. And then in the course of that, I ended up meeting who would be my uh, second husband and would be the father of my children, and was in a relationship with him for ten years. And in that world, I chose consciously to become a mother, and then. In 2000, oh God, when was this? You know, 2010, 2011, actually it started in 2009, the recession hit. And at that time in my life, I had invented a recycled content countertop product. I was running a manufacturing company. I was doing all the cool things. I was also being a mom and I was featured on TV TV. And I thought that it was great, but you know, within a period of like three months in 2009, I had a six-figure option to buy my manufacturing company and that exact same business was then three months later filing for bankruptcy. Because when the recession hit, the recession hit hard. And it hit mostly in the real estate industry and in the construction and architecture industry, which was exactly where I was working. So I went from feeling like I was thriving and just crushing life to not knowing really what I needed to do or what I wanted to do next. And I made an emotional decision. And the emotional decision was, instead of closing my manufacturing company, I would take on a business partner and I would continue for another couple of years. And that would be the beginning of a dark period that I call my dark woman phase. Um, I changed. The partnership was unhealthy and toxic. And it caused resentment in my marriage. And at the same time, I have these two little human beings. One's like five years old and one's like two years old. And so I would come home from a toxic situation with this really just corrosive partnership and I'd get no support from my partner and I'd have these two little humans that needed me. And I got overwhelmed fast. I went from being, I'm into this to be a mom and I'm gonna be a better mom than my mom ever was. And it'll be amazing to suddenly feeling trapped, um, suffocating and I mean, it still brings tears to my eyes. I, I still feel all of that, you know, it the trauma of what was going on to me in my psyche and my body and how I feel so much regret, even though it's, you know, not my fault, but I feel regret over how all of that shook out. I ended up getting divorced. And in the course of the divorce, the decision was to my husband to be the custodial parent because he was honestly the guy who showed up for all the teacher meetings while I just had my head down and I was all about business and entrepreneurship and, you know, and all that, you know, fun stuff for me. And and we decided that, too, because it would allow me to maybe spend the time that I needed in my business to see if I couldn't salvage it, if I couldn't salvage the relationship, if I couldn't pull the company back together, if I couldn't survive the recession. And I felt relieved. And I know that there's a lot of women that would probably feel the exact same way I do. But in our culture, women can't feel relieved at having the burden of being the mother lifted from their shoulders. I mean, we're judged. We're scorned. Lots of nasty words talked about women who, um, you know, can't be moms or can't figure out what to do for, you know, momming. But I admit it today that like it felt like such a huge relief off my shoulders because I was I did know what I was doing. Motherhood got really hard really fast, and I couldn't figure out how to balance it. And this period of time between then two thousand nine up until two thousand seventeen, I felt. Like I was figuring things out, but in reality, I was just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And by the time 2017 came around, I was without another business. I, you know, and I was out another romantic relationship. But the key thing was, is that the early part of that year, my kid's dad got to a place where he could no longer handle the custodial parent position like emotionally it was different because the kids were now becoming teenagers and that's a whole nother realm of you know parenting challenges when our kids begin to individuate from us and you know want to be their whole humans that they really are and I decided that there was no way that I was saying anything but yes to bringing my kids in and I was just going to figure out how I needed to show up and be a mom And, you know, that forced my current personal relationship at that time to end, which I needed to end anyways, because it was an abusive situation. And come 2017, I'm like, okay, wow, I'm like in chaos mode here. Like, I have no money. I am drained emotionally. I've got these two kids that need me. I don't know, like, am I cursed? Like, what's going on in my life? I need to figure this all out. And so instead of figuring out how to build the next cool business, I took all of those problem-solving skills that I have and this, you know, this deep drive to understand, and I just applied it to myself. And I thought about deeply about my situation and examined it, and by the end of the year, I realized what was going on, which was I had a lot of unresolved trauma in my past. You know, the person that I became was the result of dysfunction and survival. And yeah, I had done a really good job of surviving it but at the expense of not understanding it. And when I got into things like the neuroscience behind our brain architecture and how it comes to be and how emotions become designed and developed into our system and how habits are formed, it all started to make sense for me of what I actually needed to change finally. And my rebirth day is December 17th of 2017. That's the day that it all, like the switch went into my head and my life had never been the same since. But most importantly on that day, I realized that, I had a chance if I took it to be able to course correct for my children because I was going to bestow onto them the generations of trauma that I had inherited from my mother, that she had inherited from her experiences that had been passed down from, you know, the generation before. And I was honestly repeating history and had no idea that I was doing it. That I was a woman who didn't want a mother like my mother did, but yet I was mothering exactly the same way my mother did. And then when I saw that, I felt sick to my stomach. I felt guilty. I felt ashamed. I mean, all the feelings of like, feeling like I failed at motherhood. And for a while, that's what I said. I said, I failed at motherhood. But then I realized I didn't have tools for motherhood. And so I needed to go get tools. These are things that I could develop and change. And then that led me into thinking to myself, this is really hard. And people struggle with this every day. Is there something that I can bring to the world that can help that for other people? And that's why I started my podcast, One Broken Mom, in May of 2018, to coincide with Mother's Day and Mental Health Awareness Month. Said so I'm going to start sharing my journey vulnerably. I'm going to reach out to experts. I'm going to bring them in, ask them all the questions I want to ask and that other people want to know about. And in the course of that, I you know my show developed into what it is today, which is these frank, candid conversations about childhood trauma, dysfunction, understanding it, unpacking it, looking at it from a lot of different angles, and then figuring out how to apply it to our lives so that we can grow and improve from that. And it's been a tremendous journey, you know, and it's been a long and patient journey of healing myself from all of that and getting on top of it and then bringing it back into how does it affect us at work? You know, that's my niche focus. And also, obviously, how does it affect us as adults and as parents? So, I mean, that's kind of the uh, the overview of the of the journey so far.
0: Wow, really powerful your share. I mean, I could find myself in so many points of things that you said along the way. It's just potent. <laughs> Take a moment and just say congratulations for making it through the ring of fire gauntlet of your life that, you know, led you here. And I, I really believe that there's so many of us, and and as you know, because you're a podcast host, we're connecting all the time with these people, you know, people, men, women, you know, whatever gender, like out there that have faced these challenges and have overcome them all alone and then emerge on the other side. And it's almost like, there's this big circle of people holding hands and saying, Come on, sister. Come on, brother. Come on, other one. You know, like, come on in the circle. We see you. You did it. Congratulations. You made it through. We're on the other side. And now let's help the others. You know, let's, let's help everybody else get here too. And then from that place, I feel like we can look back on our previous life's experience and say, I needed to go through that ring of fire so I could be purified, so I could come out the other side as a human being integrated with all my choices, like not shunning any aspect of myself, you know, not wishing it was, wasn't so, you know, I went through all those moments too, like, oh, I wish it wasn't so, I wish I had done it differently, guilting and shaming myself, definitely being guilted and shaming by my family of origin um, and moving through that to claim my own sovereignty. It's like, well, there's a bigger, higher truth here, right? Like there's, there's a truth beyond what everyone thinks is the thing, it's well beyond that. And for me, it's like this soul's journey, you know, it's like two decades in psychotherapy. Why? Because I needed to understand my mind. You know, if I'm going to be a spiritual leader, I need to understand myself. And so I that's how my soul chose to bring me through the process. So it's fine. I think that we just need to um, give ourselves some grace, right? And accept the journey was planned is part of what we had to go through.
1: Yeah, totally. I had a conversation with Dr. Lindsay Gibson. She's written a series of books about adult children of emotionally immature parents, which was, you know, just a huge eye-opening for me in terms of me having subtext to, you know, my life experiences. And she talks about the story of a Greek goddess. I can't remember the Greek goddess's name, but you know, the idea that, you know, as before our souls enter the earth, we sit on the lap of the goddess and the goddess whispers into our ear what our purpose is and then um pushes you know closes our mouth and that's where the indentation is right above our lips and then as soon as um she does that we forget our purpose and then we're sent to the earth to spend our life doing the things and exploring in order to discover what that purpose is when she told that story to me once i mean the first time i i, did, I you know i teared up i felt that emotion because i felt like that on december 17th of 2017 that's exactly what happened was all of a sudden with like blinding light. I mean, seriously, like I was just shocked and my system just stunned for a moment where I was like, holy crap, I get it. I like, I get it. Like I see this now.
0: <laughs> I know why I went through all that crap.
1: Yeah, and you go through that and you're just like, um, and you know, and I've described people like, you know, when we talk about discovering purpose, you know, for anybody that's had kids, the first child, you're always like, am I gonna know when I'm in labor? And I remember asking, you know, my doula and, and, and you know, birthing coaches and everybody like, how will I know? And everybody's like, you'll just know. And then when you go into labor your very first time, you're like, yes, of course, you're just going to, I mean, you do know, (laughs) like there's, it's, there's nothing about it that tells you that this might be it. Like you don't even have to ask. And I felt like that's how I felt like with describing when you find purpose. Like if you're not sure you haven't gotten quite there yet, because once it's there, it's just like, this is it done. I mean,
0: it's kind of like orgasm.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I,
0: I, I, that was my pathway because with my sons, like I actually had C-sections both times because I didn't, they, they wouldn't come out <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I even waited an extra month with the first one. And he just, he was like, nope, I like it in here. I don't want to come out. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> So I had, I had children of resistance right from the beginning. They were like, I don't know about this life plan I chose. (laughs) So anyway, so yeah, I found out mine with orgasm because I was like, "Uh, did I have it? Is that what it is? I'm not sure. Is that, and then all of a sudden, and see my spiritual awakening started when I had my first one, because my friend invited me to the slumber party thing. And she said, Hey, you know, just come look at these toys. And I was like, uh, Mm, you know, because of my own traumas in early childhood, I wasn't comfortable with my body. You know, I was always like kind of holding that kind of thing at arm's distance. And, and I, I bought one of those things, and that is when I started like, whoo, like it's just <laughs> wow. And you know, it got a lot of feelings about that, you know, like wow, this is amazing. And you bastard! You had this for twenty years, and I didn't get it. Oh man, I was pissed then, and then it's kind of hard to forgive somebody after all that. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's like you just don't recover from that. Anyway, yeah. I couldn't. So you know, this is an interesting thing. Is like we, once you actually do wake up, it's really interesting because, like I was telling somebody the other day, these conversations are so easy on the other side of waking up. It's like there's just like an ease and grace to the flow of the conversation. It's amazing how it works that way. And whereas conversations with people are maybe mid-journey or something like that, they're a little more like start and stop. Like there's a little sputtering in there. There's like, it's not quite as fluid, right? And Mm -hmm. I think it's just because we've got that egoic resistance, like pushing against this, this there's the refinement that's happening. Talk a little bit about that because that is a really interesting process of getting out of the way, but it actually is the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I know exactly what you're talking about because, you know, with my, with what I do with on my show, you know, I interview a lot of people. For the most part, I I tend to, you know, interview people that like, again, have written books and have like really well-formed journeys and, and things to share my audience and my listeners because, you know, I can help them, but also I want to, you know, connect people with other people. Um, Because we don't all link together and all connect at the same levels with one another, and but sometimes I'll bring on a like trauma survivors, and they're and they're you know when I get the timeline here, I know that they're like a couple of years into this journey of awareness, and you can actually hear it. And you can actually also sense it. So when you ask some questions, they're not really ready to answer fully. You know, it it still doesn't feel. And I, you know, I've had like some interviews, like, "Hey, don't say that," or "I don't." You know, I, they they they're that vulnerability. Like it's still raw right there. And it's not like we've ever we all we just become completely scarred over that we don't feel anymore. But I feel like where we get to once we go through this healing of being able to make some peace and find some compassion for that experience. I feel like we're able to look back at this other person we were almost as if they are a different person and actually be a third person viewer telling a story of something that we've witnessed because now we're seeing it through different eyes. And that's why for me, it is easy to, while I still feel it, my own experiences traumatized me as well as all the other things that had actually happened. And I don't, I don't expect that to go away, you know, very easily, I can talk about my experience as if that happened to this other woman that I was. It's me and it's not, like who I am today. And so that journey is is to be able to get to where you can fully envelop this new person and perspective, and then look back from an objective and compassionate point so that you can dissect and understand so that you can continue to grow and and keep moving forward there. And how long it takes people to do that? I mean, it just, it depends on the person, but you almost, you know, my commitment was I'm going all in. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do that for my kids because my, I call this my fiercest act of motherhood. If I don't do this, then shame on me for knowing what I need to do and then being too afraid to not do it because of, you know, that fear. When these kids- you know what, Ami, you brought them in. You committed to being a better mother. So this is what better mother looks like. This means actually getting your, can I say some words on here, adult words on your show? It's like, get your shit together. Otherwise, you know, again, shame on you for not doing something about it. And so that was weekly therapy sessions and unpacking it and just saying, I'm here for all of this. And, and then doing work between therapy sessions. you know, It's not just go to therapy, cry it out, and then go back to the same old, same old. It is, what do I have to do every single day to create these changes in my life to get to a place where I can show up as the mom they need to be? And there are many days, even still today, but for, you know, in the early stages where I realized how often my little person had been showing up as their mother and not their mother. And so then when I learned that skill of, Okay, you got a mother you and them at the same time. I'm I'm sitting here, you know, kind of comforting this the discomfort and the trapped feeling and the, you know, all the little things that were like my little human that had been traumatized by her own mother. You know, I'm calming her down so that I can be the person that I know that my kids need to be. And it's not easy. It's messy. It's painful. It's, you know, I wished that as soon as I turned that switch on in my head, my kids were suddenly healed of all their traumas. Well, no. That I mean, like talk about a disappointment that didn't happen. It was like, wow, we're in this one for a long time. And we still go, but I mean, we're making strides and it's vastly improved over what it was like four years ago, you know, when this journey actually started. But like to be able to share, frankly, like I said, I feel like who I'm talking about, like I actually named her the dark woman. Like that dark woman lived and breathed and then died. And when she died, that's when I was free to take the next step and become the more authentic version of who I was. And I was able to actually leave her where she was. I was able to love her and feel badly for her experiences, forgive her for some of the things that she did because that was who she was and what she knew at that time. But I leave her where she belongs, which is in this one chapter of my history. And then I talk about and I share her experiences with everybody.
0: Yeah, and it's that really shift in identity and even beyond, like for me, it was a shift outside of thinking of myself as one solid thing called Carrie that had like come into this and I'm only in this body into, oh, I'm more than that. I'm the essence that created this being called Carrie. And, you know, and I have had lots of lifetimes and, and this is one of them. It's a series of lessons. It's like shifting the identity of who you think you are actually opens up like this whole ability to have conversation about yourself and your life journey from a different perspective. That's like outside that victim, rescuer, perpetrator, victim consciousness conversation. And, you know, along those same lines, it's like, as a mom, and I'm pretty sure many moms resonate with me, I wanted to be the perfect mom. Like, (laughs) I wanted to be like the perfect mom and do it all right. And, you know, and have kids that like were stars of the, of the school play and, and stars of the soccer team. And, you know, my kid's awesome and getting A's and all of this kind of stuff. And then right from the beginning with my older son wouldn't comply with that. I was (laughs) confronted with, oh crap, why, you know, why isn't this happening? You know, why he he has love and support I give him so much love. Like, why is it not working? And it's because I I was a little child parenting my baby, like you talked about. And I didn't even know it. I was still being the maiden who needed to be rescued instead of the mother who knows best, you know, like that's a whole different energetic there. And what's interesting is that, as I look back on it and my kids watch me go through my spiritual dark night of the soul and my reclaiming of myself, they watch me in a puddle on the floor many many times, you know, where I'm just like, I just came back from a spiritual retreat or something. And I'm just like a mess, you know, because of all the things that got stirred up that need healing. And I thought judging myself for a while about that, like, wow, you know, I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm supposed to show them, you know, really put together adult and here I'm like just showing them like this messy soup of a person that's like, seems like she might be three, you know, and, and other times might be 17. And, you know, I finally realized I actually did okay because I demonstrated the pathway of facing all the dark crap inside of yourself and bringing love to it. And I showed them what it looks like to survive a dark night of the soul. I mean, I think we're in a time when everyone is going to need to know how to survive a dark night of the soul. So I actually showed them exactly the curriculum they need right now. It's just that my ego doesn't like being imperfect.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I hear you. And I can't relate to that idea of motherhood. Like that wasn't even at all for me what I was doing. I I mean, I only knew I didn't want to be like my mother. Like that was literally my metric. And for me, it was not about having like this script of what success looks like. It was about letting my kids be whoever they wanted to be because I was not allowed to be whoever I wanted to be. So that was, you know, I remember even when they were like, you know, when my son was a baby, people would ask me like my thoughts on college. Now I I have two degrees. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. So you would think my answer would be like, college is amazing. And I was like, my kids don't want to go to college. They shouldn't go to college. I mean, I want them to do what's right for them. I go, I think it's because I remember being in college and seeing kids that were there with me who were forced into the role and the, you know, kind of the mode and they were miserable and they were depressed and anxious and they didn't know how to leave because their parents were telling them they couldn't and they dropped out anyways. And they were, or they were stayed in it and wasted all the money. And I thought, well, that just seems like a complete waste of everyone's time and energy. Why don't we just let people decide for themselves what they should do and whether or not college fits, you know? And so, you know, for me, the challenges that I ended up having in this role with mother was just, you know, I unpacked I the fact that I was an oldest daughter in my family and when you have an emotionally immature mother who actually was traumatized by becoming a mother like she became pregnant at a young age she had intense pressures to continue on and to you know carry on this child get married she ended up marrying an abusive person she was trapped into a life that you know i honestly if my mother had been given choices would have never chosen to be a mom she had said that many times she uh, but she went with what was told and what people expected her to do and then that was how, you know, the environment I grew up in. So then I end up with, as soon as I show myself to be a highly capable little human, like, you know, being called a little adult is one of the worst things we can do to little kids because they're just children. They may be capable exactly. and they may be intelligent, but they're children. And so when the little adult, highly capable version of me started to show up and then other siblings started to arrive in the family... I was put in charge of taking care of them so that my mother could be relieved of her mothering duties. And so that was where I came from. My sense of motherhood was, wow, it feels like it's a trap because I grew up trapped into the role of having to be a caretaker for other small humans when I didn't want to, but I didn't know how to get out of it out of a fear of being sent away or abandoned or given. I mean, there's all of that, you know, small details in the storyline here. And so I became extremely compliant and resented And so by the time I was 18 years old, I was full of anger. I was full of resentment. The last thing I wanted to do was to have a kid. Like I left with no desire to have kids. So then when I come to a place in my life where suddenly my maternal instincts kick in, I have no sense of resolution of all those past feelings about how I really felt about being around and having to be called upon to put my needs aside to take care of other people. Like that never got worked out. And so I carried all of that unseen challenge into my relationship and into parenting. And so lo and behold, when suddenly it got that, that showed up and I had to, you know, do that. And I had no resources, I had no other support in there. I began to resent, like all the resentment and the anger and everything else came back in. And that's where I was like, man, I said I wasn't going to be my mother. And yet here I was exactly being Mm. my mother. (laughs) You
0: know, it's powerful. Yes. Gosh, I get so relate to that, like being a very capable human. And I was an only child. So I wasn't put in charge of other people, but I was left to my own devices, like constantly. And that same feeling of like, there's some gap here. Like, I feel like I should be getting intimacy or closeness or some love or something. And I get little moments of it, and then I'm like kind of pushed away because you know people have their limits as to what they are emotionally capable of sharing with each other, right? And then I just wanted to pour love all over my, I just I slimed my kids, you know, like <laughs> I just like love slimed them, and that was too much too, because that's like the intrusive parent, right? Like it didn't even know that love could be intrusive, but like there's also that, you know, and so it's like just over concern. So I think that we're, we're navigating some interesting topics here about like our ideas about what mothering is and what it's not and what are we prefer it to be like and what what we don't prefer it to be like and what we think would have been best for our kids and then what actually happened. And see, isn't that the whole part of the discussion, though? It's like it's a setup, like no matter what <laughs> way you look at it. Right. Isn't it a setup? It's a setup. Right. Talk about that. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, that's the you know, there is no good manual for this, right? Cuz <laughs> there's no manuals. Yeah, and you know, and I talk about this quite a bit, you know, we are the sum of the DNA and the experiences and those two things we had no choices over. I mean, they just they happened, right? And then here we are. We are the things, those two things. And then you're supposed to have a manual for how you should have been parented by people that didn't have their own manuals and then you go off into, you know, motherhood without a manual. And probably the only thing that we just need to know that we have, we've really never been taught is that we are all going to be unique. We're going to bring into this world, our temperament, which will be that DNA thing. And we don't know how the DNA is going to shake together between what I brought to the table and what the sperm donor brought to the table. Right. So then it's kind of like, there's a wait and see, but like, you know, you'd mentioned earlier modeling how to get through life is probably the only thing that we really need to know And if we can't do that, then that's the skills that we need to build because the rest of that stuff will work itself out. Our children will go explore what they want and they will go become who they want to be. And I feel like at the end of the day, for me, like, you know, my role as mom is to support, secure, you know, love, you know, them and then be able to show them how to discern their emotional relationship with themselves and with other people and how to protect themselves, you know, with healthy boundary settings of knowing that there is a beginning and an end to who we are and who the next person is and that that's okay that we, um, we should do things that make us feel safe, you know, because having gone through trauma, that's one of the things that most of us lack is this understanding of how do I become safe again with myself? And it doesn't mean building up walls, Because if you still feel very anxious and depressed within your walls, that's still not safe for you. It is this inner safety that we can create. And because once we feel that fortitude in our own hearts and minds, then we're able to assert and protect ourselves from the rest of the world. And I feel like that that's really like, that's what I want both of my kids to know, you know, how to do. And, um, but is that a skill? Like, is there a manual for that? No, No, that's the stuff that the rest of us are flailing around figuring out, you know? (laughs)
0: And we need to, I mean, I'm looking at the collective and I, I mean, just like taking social media, for example, and how we don't know how to have conversations with each other, like diplomatic conversations that respect each other's opinions. For example, that's like one whole topic. And as I look at that, I think, okay, how did I prepare my kids to be in a world where people don't know how to respect each other and have diplomatic conversations? Oh, I married somebody with whom I could not have any diplomatic conversations (laughs) (laughs) For 20 years, okay? That's their father. And so, yeah, and it still doesn't happen. It just is like a complete shutout, right? Like there's no willingness to have diplomatic conversations whatsoever. So that's how it happens is they've been living it actually. And then, so how do we move through that? Well, I think that we demonstrate, like we become that new model, right? We become the new demonstration. And the thing about becoming the new demonstration is that it's not clear for a little while that you're Mm -hmm. doing something different. Like it's a subtle thing, there's nuances. So when you've got something big and clunky in the space and then you try to point out nuances, that's a little challenging for anybody to see the nuances when this big glaring clunky thing is in the space. <laughs> so you gotta like just be patient with it and just keep knowing that as you're refining and you're refining and refining and refining and being a demonstration of all the things that you've learned on your journey, right? Like that I've learned on my journey too. Like that is sinking in at some level that's profound. And at some point, just like you had your epiphany in 2017, and I had mine a little, you know, at a different time, it clicks it all of a sudden it goes, oh, that's what my mom was always saying, or, oh, that's what is going on here. And it clicks. And so like, I like to think of motherhood as like planting seeds and not to argue with the circumstances, because as we have to be fearless. Like you said, we have to be fearless and courageous as moms to go through our own inner exploration as a priority and knowing that that is going to be teaching our kids way more than anything we could say to them to their face and then go do something in the other room. Like absolutely. we have to be transparent and vulnerable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've talked with experts from different varieties of like parenting and childhood development and stuff like that. You know, obviously age appropriate has always got to be the right thing you can't overwhelm little children with all of your adult problems like that. Again, that's right, trauma. Exactly.
0: That's traumatizing. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, that is traumatizing. But it's, you know, I my big, you know, the thing that actually helps bring me just a little bit of peace over everything that, you know, we've talked about this journey and that we have to live through some of these experiences. And I do think, you know, I sit there and have this conversation with myself. It seems unfair that I had to do that. Like, that's an honest human feeling. It feels unfair that I had to do that. Like, I feel like I'm a good human being, so why did I have to go through that? And then you get through that and you're like, well, I I went through it so that I can help. And I also look at my kids. It's unfair that they had to go through what they've had to go through so far. The solace, however, though, is like you said, is that I'm mindful of they are witnessing in real time what challenges look like because they're always going to be challenges. No matter how perfect and pristine we want to think we can set our kids up for you know 100% success, the reality is is that our world is goods and bads, ups and downs. And so many of us never learned how to make it through the downs so that we can rise up to get to the goods. That's this resilience. And when that is what you're demonstrating, like, hey, I can go from being down here to financially in a terrible situation, emotionally in a terrible situation, I'm not going to tell you that life's going to get better. I'm going to show you how you make life better. I'm going to show you by going and doing my work on myself and applying it. And I'm going to show you that it is hard and that it is messy, but it is possible. And when I do succeed, I'm going to let you know I'm succeeding. And you're going to see that so that you can see that there is a way out of everything that we can, you know, that we go through. And that does matter. I mean, we do think about so much of like, it is about being directive and dictatorial to our kids. But the reality is, is I can think of all the, uh, you know, subconscious messages and the indirect things that actually got really into my head. Because it was the behavior that was modeled every single day, not the words that were ever said, because barely any words were said to me on what to do. Like I was a self-starting, you know, again, highly capable. I didn't need the parent who barely made it out of high school telling me how to be a straight-A student. Like I just did that on my own. But it was the rest of it, how she showed up every day, how she talked and treated me and other people and all that other stuff. That's what got into my head and became the some of the, you know, behaviors and beliefs that I believed about myself. And so showing up as a parent in that way and thinking like, then it makes parenting easy and hard because now I think about every single day, how am I showing up? It's not, did I give some pithy great advice to my son as he left for work today? It's like, no, that's, you know, he doesn't remember that stuff or what (laughs) I text him, you know, but every day you realize that you are on and they are watching, even if they aren't consciously watching, the environment that you set is being absorbed and, and brought in and programmed in for them. And that's why I said it. That that's what makes parenting then hard. It's a conscientious effort and, and a mindfulness of, you know, am I modeling the behavior I want my kids to know? Am I teaching them something through the, my own actions, my own words, the way I treat people and the way I treat myself? is something that I want them to be able to have expectations for themselves in their lives and with the people that they cohabitate and, and and create relationships with. And you never get off the hook. I mean, you can make a mistake, but then you have to own your mistake and come back to, and that becomes your teaching moments. like, wow, I blew it there. Let me tell you about how I did that and why and what I'm going to do differently. I mean, so that you can do some course corrections if you can, because we are humans.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are human. That's the thing. It's like this idea of the perfect mom is kind of, You're already perfect. And this is where I like to back up because this is where I had to go to myself because of all the things that I went through, all the things that I endured, you know, I thought I was ready to have kids at 30, you know, after all this, I even had psychotherapy and all this stuff under my belt. You know, I felt like, gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to ace this, you know, like I'm going to ace this exam. You know, like I'm going to,
1: I was the same. I'm going to
0: produce these great (laughs) kids. I'm going to do it better (laughs) than my parents and all this. I found (laughs) out, you know, some stuff along the way. But, you know, what's interesting is I really judged myself for not being perfect because I'd been so accustomed to getting approval from perfection that like that's for me was the journey of like breaking down the inner narcissist inside of me that I wanted everybody to think everything was perfect or just wanted like everything to be perfect. And if it wasn't like perfect, according to my definition of perfect, that I didn't know what to do with that. And that's why my son was such a great teacher for me. So it's like, we have to realize like our children are also teaching us Like as much as we're teaching them, they're like these magnificent souls that already have lifetimes under their belts and they're teaching us too. And so we have to be teachable, you know? And I feel like that's the new parenting is the realization of that delicate balance between, you know, I'm taking care of your needs at a certain, to a certain age. You know, I realize I'm programming you right now because your little body doesn't have the ability to say no to anything I'm telling you till seven years old. And so there's this huge amount of respect for like what's going into the soup, you know, during that time. And then there's like this willingness to be teachable. Like I've told my kids from very, I don't remember that maybe like um, junior high, I started saying it. I have learned so much from being your mom. You are such a great teacher. You have such an amazing innate wisdom. It's like powerful what you have to share. I always learn so much from you. And to everybody else around me, they just thought I was like, gosh, why are you doing that? You're supposed to be the authority, you know? And I'm like, I don't really feel like I'm supposed to be authority. I feel like I'm supposed to teach my child how to be their own authority and to point out to them like moments where I see them being brilliant. Like, wow, you just taught me something. And to be willing to be humble enough to say to my child, like, I'm your parent, but you just taught me something really powerful. That I feel like is really a new model. You know, I'm getting some success from it. Because then I have kids who who think, yeah, I raised myself, Mom. And I said, you did. <laughs> Part of me is like, little rascal. I totally have been there for you this whole time. <laughs> what are you talking about? But I was like, okay, no, he did. He raised himself. Let's just let it be that, right? Because then if he mm-hmm. knows he raised himself, then he doesn't need me. You know? And that's one of the things I was talking about, my husband last night. I was like, he's going to college, man. He's going to college. He doesn't need me anymore. I said, but he he looked at me, he said, he hasn't needed you in years. I'm like, I know. I'm in the house every day. He doesn't need me. That's mm-hmm. his own really, like, really weird feeling, you know, because almost like part of me wants to be needed. Right. So that's another little sneaky codependent place. There's a yeah. lot to this conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's a complicated sub- it subject, is. you know? Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, what you said about, you know, the teachable moments. And I think that that is something that I, uh, our children can trigger us because they can trigger the wounds that we have that are unresolved. Like I said, when my daughter, and for example, um, when her, you know, very strong uh, personality, you know, comes out and she's, I mean, her name is Reese, And I, I named her before she was born and it's um, a Welsh name and it's usually given to Welsh kings, but it means fiery and enthusiastic. And so even in utero, like, you know, in my stomach, there was this sense of her personality, uh, you know? And I mean, so I, I remember going into a an exam and the doctor's like poking at the stomach and she's trying to feel around and Reese is just like circling around inside, avoiding all of the contact, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it was like this, con- and I'm just, and the doctor's like, she won't sit still for me. She's just like <laughs> avoiding me every time I go to poke her or touch her or try to, you know, get, and I was like, well, I mean, there she is, right? She came mm-hmm. out that way. I mean, she is that, like, you know, the sense of who she is. And so then when, As a teenager, she's evolving into this strong-spirited person. I am feeling two things at one time. I'm feeling my own mother who was very just overreacted to everything. If it didn't, if something was going on, it was just freaking crisis mode, yelling, screaming, shouting, and all that other stuff, just super intensity, which for my small human, it was very frightening and scary for me. So then I would get those feelings of that fear of being overwhelmed by this just vomit of intense emotions on top of my little head just to get me to do something and behave the way she wanted me to behave, right? So that triggers me in. So then, and then the other part sometimes that would get triggered is the teenager who was sick of all of that and was finally just like, shut up and get out of my face and leave me alone. I can't wait to get out of here. So then you're in mom mode trying to figure out (laughs) and how to navigate that. And so then you, you realize like at some point, like, okay, what is the mother she needs right now? I'm learning from her interactions how to control all of those things going on inside of my head. And that's great. I'm learning how to get a better understanding of my own inner child and my own inner wounds because of the interaction with my daughter. So instead of shutting down, it's like, God, oh, this is great. I keep, I keep I, you know, I call it, we're sculpting right? So you talk about the big thing and nuances, and it's hard to see like in the big block of marble, the nuances because it hasn't gotten revealed yet, but you get to take sandpaper out and start to smooth out some of these little things, right? And that's where, you know, the kids actually, if you allow them and that experience to again, pull back and go, wow, this interaction really triggered me in this way. That's something for me to work on. My daughter has nothing to do on her end. Like maybe there is some behavior correction because it's, you know, whatever it is, but I'm not putting the responsibility on her to change her behavior. I'm mom. The responsibility is on me to understand why I'm reacting to this way and whether or not there's something on my shoulders that I need to take care of in my own inner world. Totally. You know? Yeah,
0: exactly. And the willingness to do that work. And I think even to be transparent about it, like, because there's been several times where I've something has happened with me and my one of my sons and I'm like, oh, and then I get like, I go in through the patterns and I'm seeing and I'm saying, oh, I see what's going on right now. And then I'll even like, if it's, you know, if it's like when they were older, like teenage years, I'd be like, guess what? You want to hear this? And they'd be like, yeah, what? what, what? And I'm like, I just realized something profound. You know how your grandma's like this and like this and this, and, and I'm like, and we just said this. And do you see the similarity of that? And like, I just realized that. And you know, a lot of times I'll be like, yeah, okay. I see that. So it's like that, it's like pulling out the moment and just like revealing it even in that level of like, but you have to be neutral about it Mm -hmm. to do that. If you're still triggered, you know, then that's not a space to be sharing.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. And I've done the same thing too. Like, you know, I'm able to, if I do respond from a triggered state quickly, you know, usually it's like no or, you know, whatever. We now have language in our house to be able to say like, listen, all of us, my daughter knows like, listen, I'm not in the state to have a conversation right now. I need my space. Leave me alone. And we honor it. It's like safe words, right? Once you say the safe word, you're done. Like you're out. Nobody nobody pushes, nobody keeps violating that. We all get to say, listen, we're at, I'm at the limit. I actually need to go take a breath. I love you, but I'm going to leave just so that I can get my own heart rate back down. I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. You've done nothing wrong. But I need to get myself because I'm feeling really amplified and triggered and I need to re-regulate. And we all get to do that with each other in the house. And then be able to come back and go, man, um, when you said this, this is how I felt about it. And talk out loud so that then the kids can actually see how to bring that conversation skill set into their own selves And that's empathy building as well, right? Because when I share with you what's going on inside of my head, we learn then, ah, okay. So when I start to sense this in other people, I might start to get an idea of what's going on in their inner world, especially if they're unable to communicate that with me. And not everybody can, right? But you become more of like this uh, empathy Jedi when you start to learn and do that. But that's (laughs) the skills of being able to be able to teach them. And you can only do that by being vulnerable, by being reflective, curious. Mm -hmm. Curious is a huge thing. I'm curious about why this happened. I'm going to think about this for a bit and then be able to come back and go, you know what? I actually responded in this way. I'm sorry, because actually I am. I didn't. That was a trigger response. It wasn't really how I felt, but I instantly felt this. And then I did this and that's not really what I meant. So let's go back to this. Let's talk about this again. And then let's see where I'm at, because I'm actually calmed down now, now that we've had, you know, in... I know that between my kids, my daughter's really gotten so good at it. I'm so impressed with her. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I think to myself, as the mom who felt like she failed, I look back and go, holy crap, these kids have skills I never had. They have a house that I never lived in. They have an ability to do these things and express these things and to learn these skills. I can only imagine how amazing their future is for them. Because if I had had that, I think about like, what could have, you know, what could have, right? That's the whole game that we can get ourselves into it. But I feel so much better that, again, I wouldn't have been able to do that without that crappy journey that I had been through, without having to push myself to grow and self-reflect. And I knew that if I made myself focused and dedicated to it, that I could get in, you know, get into in time, hopefully to get into my children's lives when it would matter. And so to be able to see that for, you know, four years down the road, it allows me to breathe a little bit more easily. I know my work isn't done, but it really does matter when you put yourself into it and you dedicate yourself to it, that it, it, and you show up again daily showing up for them. And so that does, I'm I just, like I said, I'm just, my mind is blown. I have these conversations with their dad. I'm like, God, the emotional intelligence on this girl, mind blowing. I mean, I'm just impressed with it because once it started to connect, it's just like, it's an exponential growth, you know, right there for her. And I'm so proud of that for her.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's because of the women that you were, It's because of the woman you were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, three years ago, that you became the mother you are today. And so much grace for that journey. I just, anybody who's been listening and really resonating with this conversation, you know, I just hope that what you take away is that there's no problem and you didn't do anything wrong. And this part of the journey and your kids chose you for that journey. So they came on to learn, like, you look what your daughter has learned. In the process of you healing and learning and becoming you, your authentic self, and that what she's gotten to witness and be a part to this whole time, which is going to set her off on such a beautiful course. So it's not about like avoiding problems. It's really about diving in and doing the work and revealing it. So beautiful case example of that courage, that courage to, to fall apart and to put yourself back together.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. They really do.
0: But I love your story and I love your energy and I love I love what you bring into the world with your podcast. I'm gonna encourage everybody out there, please um, go check out Ami's podcast, One Broken Mom. I'm of course gonna be on there too. So I'll put a link in the show notes uh, whenever that's available. And I want you to go subscribe and like and all that. And hey, please do it for Soul Nectar Show too because that's how we get messages out there. That's how, you know, search engines make sure that other people who might be looking for this find the information is when you engage in the content. So please like, subscribe, make a comment, share. That really helps us get the messages out. And we're going to give you kisses. So (laughs) I always give people kisses on the way out. Here we go. All
1: right. (laughs) And I'm taking it in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love you all, everybody. See you next week on Soul Nectar Show bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit SoulNectar.show. Soul Nectar Show,
1: awaken. Soul Nectar Nectar Show, take a sip
0: from the drip of nectar, from the the source of who you are.